Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Twinspires.com podcast, How to Bet the Queen's Plates. We had a great Triple Crown season discussing wagering strategy with the Derby, Preakness, and Belmont, and now it's time to take our talents north of the border to the Canadian Classic first in their Triple Crown series, the Queen's Plate. I am very excited to be attending my first Queen's Plate this week. Get to Canada on Friday. Going to see some uh, great racing throughout the week at Woodbine. And I thought for episode one, it made a lot of sense uh, to discuss handicapping Woodbine. Because like a lot of uh, tracks that maybe aren't on the major east or west coast circuit like Naira or Southern California, people uh, may not be as familiar uh, with Woodbine. And we're going to do something similar for Arlington for their million week and a couple other tracks as as we go along. But uh, wanted to discuss uh, Woodbine in general, get some Queen's Plate buzz as well, and who better to do that than the communications manager for Woodbine, Keith McCalmont, otherwise known as Triple Dead Heat on Twitter. Keith, how are you? Ed, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to seeing you up here in a few days. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Thanks uh, for the time. I know it must be a... A busy week, but I saw that the notes were already out for Monday, so that made me feel a little better that maybe you had a little time to breathe and, and talk some Woodbine handicapping with us. Well, it's the racing here is always on my mind, whether I'm uh, working on notes or not. But, uh, yeah, I've been flat out for uh, for five or six days, and uh, it's not going to stop until July 3rd. So uh, I might get to catch the second half of the Goo Goo Dolls on Sunday night. <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully they'll they'll save uh, your favorites for uh, that portion of the show. I'm looking forward to catching them myself, Our Lady Peace, of course, on Saturday night. So uh, action-packed for me this weekend, no doubt. Uh, the, the racing, of, of course, very much a part of that action. And uh, Woodbine, to me, uh, always a, a fun track to pop into, whether it's a Wednesday night card, which, uh, of course, you don't have this week, but, you know, I know that's popular with players who might get to play at a different time of day, uh, the various big events that you guys do with the guaranteed pools. But uh, to me, it's it's definitely a little different and offers some variety to those who don't play it every day. Uh, for you, it's not variety because it's, it's what you do. But uh, for those turning to, to Woodbine, what, uh, what sort of sticks out to you from a 30,000-foot level of the best way to familiarize uh, themselves with how uh, the racing is there and the handicapping of it. I mean, I I think maybe one of the advantages you have if you play Woodbine is that we have a 133-day meet, so you you get a longer period of time to get familiar with who the major players are, uh, who the big trainers are, which jockeys ride, uh, you know, which, which distance as well. Um, you know, some of the boutique meets, I feel like they barely get started and it's over. And uh, here, it, it's it's not quite harness racing where you've got horses <laughs> racing uh, every week in, week out. But uh, there's a bigger uh, base of statistics for you to work with. And uh, certain trainers, you get to learn their patterns. And, and that can be very helpful for a player who, you know, wants to try and make a more informed decision. It's It's, it's our stock of horses for the most part. Uh, outside of these big races so you're not dealing with a lot of shippers trying to compare form from three different tracks in one race 
And it is, uh, you know, the meet uh, goes, uh, I believe, uh, either the last week of November or first week of, of December. But, of course, we're only in, in June. Um, what portion would you say we're at now? I mean, it, it seems like we're at a point where horses are making their second and third starts. So we're not, you know, we're obviously not at the beginning of the meet. Um, are there still some trainers uh, unveiling their, their horses for the year? Or at this point in the meet, if that's happening, there was probably some other issue, and this is when they could get to the races. Yeah, I think certain trainers come alive at this point. Like Roger Atfield is a guy who who doesn't rush his horses. He gives them a, a good base in Florida over the winter, but he's not one of these guys rushing back to try and win opening week like uh, like a West Wardwood at Keeneland or something like that. He's a <laughs> He's got good quality uh, turf horses, and he's generally looking to stretch them out. So uh, one of which we'll see this weekend uh, coming up in Tower of Texas, uh, you know, who's who's a graded stakes winner and, and has already got one win at the meet already. So he's a guy I'll be hitting his stride right about now. Um, you know, most of the horses are at their third start, so you're, you're getting a better uh, a better read on who these horses are, and most of them are at that third start of the form cycle, so... Was Tower of Texas second to Wise Dan one year? Tower of Texas nearly gave me a heart attack uh, uh, against Teppin last year. Uh, oh, he's, uh, okay, only last year. Uh, full disclosure, my favorite horse on the grounds, and I've got a few few pets <laughs> back there, but he's one I go to visit pretty much every other day and bring him treats and whatnot, and uh, I'm very familiar with the barn. and uh, with, with Teppin on the grounds and a wind streak intact last year, I was watching him come barreling down the stretch, and Teppen was gearing down a little bit, and my heart was in my throat because when you, you have a horse like Teppen, you you kind of want to see her win, and you don't want to be the track that her streak gets ended at. And uh, I didn't know whether to cheer or cry when I saw Texas coming because uh, as much as I want to see him win every time, it's uh, that streak was important. Right. Uh, well, uh, you, you always earn it in the grade ones, especially uh, of that level of prestige. So uh, nothing wrong with uh, your favorite making her earn it. And that was definitely uh, one of my favorite days at the, the track last year, uh, immortalized by uh, our colleague in that photo with Julian and Claire. Uh, I think you were you were off screen for that one, but uh, de- definitely enjoyed uh Don's uh, take of the the elevator up to the press room, but uh, pressing matters this week, of course, uh, are the Queen's Plate. And I, I'm glad you mentioned sort of the different distances. Obviously, the the Queen's Plate similar to the Kentucky Derby, and that uh, mile and a quarter uh, is definitely in play. is is an angle some might look at. Uh, of course, all the horses bred in Canada. So, uh, whereas in the U.S., uh, a lot of us m- may be familiar with some of the names we see on the top sire line, uh, grade one winners, Kentucky sires, that sort of thing. U.S. players may be not as familiar uh, with the breeding uh, of uh, the, the Canadian hopefuls. Any particular sires you, you like when you see the distances getting longer? <laughs> Well, it, it's 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 not a Canadian sire by any stretch, but it's it's Ghost Zapper has become, uh, you know, the go-to for 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 these types of races. I find at a distance, mm. and uh, you know, the Oaks winner filly uh, Holy Helena is a Ghost Zapper, uh, and uh, she's completely got the distance. Like, wasn't even uh, you know an issue for her going a mile and an eighth in the Oaks, and uh, she just looks like one that's going to be going a mile and a quarter. Uh, absolutely no problem. I, I'm, I'm already thinking about the Alabama for her, and I should probably get through next weekend wow. first. 
Yeah. Um, well, uh, that's a testament to her uh, talent. She worked today or yesterday, is that right? Uh, she worked this morning. Uh, they found a quiet okay. spot for her after the break, and uh, she went five furlongs in 101 and four. It was just an easy work with Louie up, and uh, she traveled really well. She's coming into this race in great order. She looks fantastic. Her coat's great. So uh, after the race, Stronic, uh, you know, they, they like to, you know, to wait a few days after the race, see how their horse comes out of it. They're a cautious group. They don't rush into anything, but uh, she wouldn't be going into this race if they didn't think she was more than ready for it. Um, you know, looking at a few of the other sires, I mean, there's a lot of American sires in this race. you got Malibu Moon and Tisnow, City Zip, Quality Road. Um, really, the only name that sticks out to me as, as a local is uh, Mike Fox, who I'd have to look at, at, at the, the sire book, but I can't imagine there's more than six or seven in Mike Fox's crop, but he's a former Queen's Plate winner, and uh, uh, someone I think uh, our colleague Joe Nevels of the DRF will be, will be yes, writing. Yeah, I was just thinking that. In. <laughs> but uh, I know he went to visit the horse while he was up here uh for the Sovereign Awards right before the season started. And uh, it would be a heck of a story if the spirit of Caledon horse was to, to step up on Sunday, but it seems to be a class test that might might be a bit tough for him, really. Yeah, and uh, th- that's right about the, the sires, uh, just uh, Canadian bred, but uh, sires, uh, they can ship them uh, across and, and drop uh, and get that designation. So as you said, uh, certainly a lot of, familiar names on on the top line and uh we'll see how that plays out from a trip standpoint um what uh what have you seen on the the main track this year uh sprinting or, or routes have they played differently uh any general thoughts for players diving in this weekend that you know might be looking for that type of information to help them uh, craft tickets and you know decide between contenders and not Honestly, I'm 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 not a biased guy per se. I, I know it's a, a common Twitter uh, experience. We wait two races into the card and start to you know belly at the bias of of a particular day, and I haven't really found that to be an issue on the Tapita. It's uh, it can be a little bit inside outside from time to time, but uh, not so much on, on front front end or or, or rally only. And I think when you're going a mile and a quarter in a, in a, in a rather large field, this is going to be 12, maybe 13. Um, you know, everyone's going to get their trip. I, I can't imagine anyone's going to come out of this race thinking, oh, the bias beat us. Uh, the, the last time I can think of that happening in the plate uh, was the year Midnight Aria won, and Up With The Birds was the favorite. And that was on the old poly track. We had a ton of rain that day, and it was super, super speedy. The poly track, when it got wet, would speed up, and it became basically a, a merry-go-round. And uh, up with the birds came with a deep close and missed by, you know, half a length. And it is one of those days where I, we don't know that the, the right horse won, but uh, probably the right horse didn't win that day, but that's horse racing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm with you. Typically, uh, no rush to, to bias judgment. Uh, and for me, it's more... Um, generalizations uh you know can horses win on the front end uh you know sometimes if if it's deep closers might be up against it um but it's really those extremes that you know either you can or you can't and as you said sort of at a mile and a quarter in a big field 
uh, you might have a trouble trip, but unlikely that you won't, you know, be in at least know what spot you want to be in based on the horse's running style. I will say uh, mile and a 16th and a mile and eight races, I have 53 uh, this year so far. At least that's what Brissonette says in its ultimate race summary. Uh, I think that's only through Saturday, though, so not counting Sunday's action. Uh, but 16% gate-to-wire winners, uh, so definitely a little less than what you would see uh, on dirt. However, I think uh, the field size is a touch higher. It would bind, and obviously that's going to contribute to it too because, um, you know, I think the more horses, uh, the harder it is to go gate-to-wire, not because you can't win on the front end, but a horse who shows speed in a bigger field might be ahead off the lead instead of on the lead if it were a five- or six-horse field. Does that make sense? I think that's the case. I there I look for speed in different ways at Woodbine, really. like Our, our top three riders, uh, Eurico da Silva, Luis Contreras, and Rafael Hernandez, um, Eurico maybe is a little bit of a speed rider, but he doesn't have to be. The other two certainly aren't uh, speed-oriented. Um, for me, when it comes to speed, I'd be looking more at uh, a trainer like Norm McKnight, who... It cranks his horses up. He's he's one of these trainers that's great off the claim, can move a horse up on someone, even go up a level in class. He's a guy who relies on speed. So I'm I'm looking for Norm McKnight in a race where he's got a horse and he might be lone speed. Uh, Denise McClackery is another one who's good at moving a horse up and, and can be a little bit speed-oriented as well. Um, so I'm looking more for, for spot situations like that, uh, you know, you still go back to the basics of handicapping. I find when it comes to race by race basis, if you know, if you if lone speed is is a dangerous weapon, and uh, if you have it, uh, you you can steal away in a race. But uh, Norm McKnight and McClackery are, are two trainer names that I would look for 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 trainers with speed horses to 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 uh, to, to key on in multi race wagers. And speaking of uh, jockeys, uh, saw Belmonte uh, money man Mike Smith, a guy who just seems to show up every every time the big money's on the line, uh, second by a nose in the $500,000 Ohio Derby last week. Uh, who uh, who from your colony, uh, you know, it's one thing to look at the, the win totals and earnings for the meet, uh, you know, sort of been insular right now and uh, just, as you said, the horses on the grounds, but going to see uh, some, you know, some bigger names to U.S. watchers shipping up this week, both horses and jockeys. Who on on your grounds, uh, you know, that people might see gaudy win percentages? Uh, are you not afraid to back, regardless of of who else is riding against them, whether it's Castellano, uh, Velasquez, et cetera? Uh, who are your money guys at Woodbine? Um, or girls. <laughs> Eureka can certainly Eureka da Silva is, is someone who can move a horse up and when I I find it's uh, you know you do your first cursory review of a pick four and uh, I generally leave Eureka in and it's because I know he gets multiple calls per race and so whoever he decides to land on in that race it's uh, some of the handicapping is already done for you and that they know that they're on the best of maybe three horses in a particular race so um, he's a very competent, smart rider. He's, he'll save ground. He doesn't have to be front end. He can be patient, and he's not afraid to dive through holes. It's, uh, you know, again, going back to the to the Twitter critics, there are certain people who worry about getting a wide ride or, uh, you know, somebody playing safe. And Eureko is, uh, 
he he will get his days from the stewards through the year because he takes chances <laughs> and, and holes that aren't there sometimes. But uh, there's a reason he's running away with our leading rider title right now. He's an extremely fit, uh, well-studied guy, and he's uh, he's he's top of his craft here at Woodbine for sure. Uh, speaking of, of big names to watch, uh, get to mention uh, one name on, in the Queens play probables already, but looking elsewhere on the weekend, uh, some other stakes and big races as well. Uh, any uh, horses that you're excited about and or we should be excited about too racing this weekend at Woodburn? Oh, and you mentioned Tower of Texas, uh, so be, be on him. Yeah, it's always it's always a celebration for me uh, when that happens. <laughs> I think uh, you'd be looking for uh, in the dance smartly. Uh, Chad Brown's bringing Reina De Pateria up. Uh, I believe Suffused is going to come up for that race as well. Um, in the uh, in the King Edward, uh, uh, I believe Hoot Nanny is on his way up to face uh, Tower of Texas. Mm. Uh, Sing Spiel, uh, Buller's Alley, Kerwin Pride. Uh, decisive edge. Uh, you know, th- these are not. Um, you know, we're not really looking at uh, big name grade one. Certainly, no one of of, of Teppen's ilk. Um, but I do think that the plate itself with uh, the two fillies is going to offer something of interest for for racing fans south of the border, because Inflexibility and uh, and Holy Helena are both based in New York. Inflexibility with Chad Brown, and uh, Holy Helena with uh, Jimmy Jerkins. And I have a really strong suspicion that they're going to run one-two in, in, in the plate. And off of that, why wouldn't they go to Saratoga and look at a race like the Alabama? And I would love, love, love to see a, a, a sort of a Canadian-bred duel between these two fillies continuing and, and making a rivalry out of it. Well, uh, we, we know uh, that path is has been worn before so uh you know with varying degrees of success uh long and short term uh and, and to me that going back to inglorious that was the the first year uh that i remember the queen's plate really being on, on the map and obviously it's been on the map for what are we at 159 uh this will be the 158th running but uh only seven of me shouting about it on twitter so <laughs> Well, it uh, certainly is, has been a me- meteoric rise uh, for my consciousness, and you know I've been at Thoroughbred Times for a few years, and certainly aware of it. But it, it really seems like uh, it's kicked up a notch uh, in terms of getting people excited uh, about the race itself, playing the card. Uh, I'm looking forward to experience it in person after uh, my buddy. Uh, Michael Pod was up there uh, a couple years ago and spoke so glowingly of it. Uh, but uh, for, for those who haven't experienced it or might be considering it either this year or down the road, uh, what's it like? Yeah, the Woodbine experience in, for racing in general is, is it's a lot of fun. The, the, the main talking point here is our turf course uh, being on the outside, a mile and a half in, in length, uh, and you're right close to the turf action. It's a very wide European-style course. It's a little over two furlongs from the top of the stretch home. Uh, it makes for great uh, stretch runs, really frantic finishes, um, great handicapping, uh, some humorous rides from out-of-town riders who make their move through the turn and have nothing left with an eighth to run. Uh, it, it's, 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 it can be, it can be a, a joy to watch racing out there. 
Um, the Queen's Plate is like nothing else. We we filled a grandstand. I think we had 37,000 people or something in here last year. Uh, it is Canada's race. It's our version of the Derby. I, I think it doesn't quite have the uh, uh, the, the uh, drunken bro appeal of, of, say, the Derby quite yet, uh, but we're working on that festival atmosphere, and hopefully we'll be able to find a, a happy medium where we get to a lot of the party without any of the trouble. Um, but it's, uh, it, it is a, an experience to behold, and uh, there's lots of other things to do in the city here as well, to be quite honest, Ed. I know you had a chance to go out and experience a lot of the food and some of the culture in Toronto, so uh, don't just come for a weekend. Spend, spend, spend a few days. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to expanding uh, that, uh, not only this trip, but uh, in October, uh, the Bad Out of Hell musical is opening in Toronto the night before the International. So uh, that was a, a no-brainer, one-two punch for me. So, uh, yeah, as you said, avail yourself uh, to, to Toronto and, and enjoy the area as much as the races. Uh, food's fantastic uh, without question. So um, more on that for me as I experienced it this weekend. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on uh, back to the betting is uh, one thing not – Totally unique. Fort Erie does it. Hawthorne does it, but definitely different than most tracks is the 20 cent minimums on the pick three, four, and five. Uh, and it, to me, it's definitely changes my approach to how I play it. Um, you, you just can't, or I find myself less willing uh, to caveman at 20 cents uh, just because you know, a $48 ticket at 20 cents is, was that about 120 bucks if it were a 50 cent play? Um, it's not that I'm uncomfortable spending 120, but, um, you know, for, for the combinations you're getting at, at 20 cents, other people are spreading that then too. It affects the payoffs. I find myself really wanting to cold deck a number because I think people spread too thin just because it's cheaper rather than pressing on their opinion. Um, that's how I approach it with the 20 cent minimum. But what have, what have you found day in and day out um, the difference in how people play those pools versus other places with the 50 cent and dollar minimums? I, you, you have to be um, studious and you, you have to play smart and you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, just because it's cheaper doesn't mean you should spread. Um, you know, the, the staples of handicapping, you want to find a rate, a, a sequence where you can key on someone and turn a pick four into a pick three. And uh, absolutely, a 20-cent payout at Woodbine isn't going to pay what uh, a 50-cent payout at Belmont is going to pay. It's, the math just isn't the same. Um, you know, by the same token, uh, we do get big pool sizes here. Uh, looking ahead to the weekend, uh, the early pick four is guaranteed at 150. The late pick four through the Queen's Plate will be at 300,000. Uh, an early pick five at 50, and a late pick five at 100,000. So there's big pools out there to chase, and we'll more than meet the minimums on those. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's uh, you you may want to spread perhaps an Ontario sired race where you're not quite familiar with uh, as many of of the connections. But uh, I, I find these stakes races, there's a good chance for, for me as a handicapper anyway, I like to narrow in those races. The best horses, you, they've got trustworthy form. You, you have a feeling for what you're going to get from them. That's the field to narrow down and, and go with your either your single or your 
you know, your much shorter spread to try and make your ticket affordable. It's, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you can't be spending, uh, you know, $96 on a 20 cent ticket and hoping to come away with a good profit. So. Right. And, and, uh, on the opposite end, uh, I totally agree with, you know, you have your opinion and, um, you know, to me, I just find too many people, they say, oh, well, you know, I usually do a $24 ticket. I can add a horse here. Um, a, you're, you're better off just playing for 40 cents then or, or a dollar rather than adding a horse just because that's what, what's in your budget. Um, but, but I find, you know, find the race you're, you're least comfortable with, and then maybe that's where you just take all. Um, I'm not one to just add a horse because I feel like if I'm using the three, even if it's like three or four that I like, well, after that, I, if I don't like any of them or – you know, I, I want to go deeper than four. Typically, it's not one horse I'm leaving off. It's a bunch that I think are maybe quasi-dangerous at 20 or 30 to one. But ultimately, those are the ones that blow up the, the pick threes and pick fours uh, that even at 20 cents, people can't cover. Um, you know, that 50 to one that, you know, maybe the sire throws 12% first out winners. And to me, that's reason enough to use it at a huge price if, you know, you're narrow elsewhere. So, um, I'm, I'm with you. You got to press when you actually have an opinion, but you know, I find, uh, and I'll be discussing my strategy for Queens plate day on woodbiden.com, but you know, I found the races that I don't have a handle on. Um, that's maybe where you try to, to blow it up, but a, a stream of second and third choices, uh, just isn't going to pay huge. Whereas when you get that sixth or seventh choice or the longest shot on the board, uh, then you actually have sort of separated yourself from the rest of the tickets. So that's that's how I think of it is, um, you know, I'd rather have a favorite and a bomb than two third choices. Someone uh, I really respect as a handicapper, and I'm not going to drop any names on this, uh, regularly plays uh, pick four tickets in, in a manner of two singles and two all buttons. And uh, mm. I love the theory because, you know, if you if you really like two horses in a sequence, you're just praying for chaos in the other two legs. And at a dollar, you're going to get paid, and it keeps your ticket pretty cheap. Um, you know, as opposed to, uh, the, I know the better math in the long run is, you know, you, if you if you spread correctly and get your ABCs right, then you'll hit your your pick four for twenty cents five times, kind of thing. But uh, um, I, I I am kind of partial to that that single single all all and. I know the Twitter world will poo-poo the all button, but uh, <laughs> there are there are certain uh, No, that that's a, I've certainly used that strategy, and you know, to me, you know, I tell people, um, you know, I, I do this for a living, uh, and that you know, I want people to to bet and be smarter, and you know, play with brisnet, et cetera. Um, certainly not a professional horse player, though, and I, I do enjoy the gamble, and there's you know, there's few better rushes uh, on the horse player side of racing uh, than being live to all after, you know, catching a decent price before that and, you know, seeing those will pays in the uh, hundreds or thousands of dollars, you know, depending on what, what gets you going. So um, to me, that that's part of the fun. So I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I think if you're a, a pro and you're grinding away and looking for that edge, race to race, then the all button becomes less of an option. But, you know, for guys like you and me that like a punt and for people that are playing the Queens plate, because it's a great card and, you know, the social aspect of it of a lot of other people playing, 
um, you know, why not try to get live uh, to a 13-horse field where you know a few of those might pay four or five figures? It's it's one of those ways where you might walk out with a wheelbarrow full of money. Um, my experience is usually that's when the favorite jogs, but uh, every once in a while you get lucky. <laughs> well, the favorite is uh, typically the most likely winner, so uh, that's yeah, that's definitely part of it. Uh, any other thoughts uh, on Woodbine or or this year's plate as we we head into uh, the draw on Wednesday and uh, the racing week Friday? I, you know what? Well, I mean, the draw is Wednesday morning, so I think you can. Uh, we'll finalize the field then. I think we're going to have 13 horses. I think there's one on the bubble that I'm going to announce tomorrow morning. But uh, no, I think you're, let's focus on the Phillies. I think that's where the smart money is going to go. And if uh, you're looking for a bit of an outsider, I think King and his court is going to be mid-range in odds, if maybe even closer to 10 to 1. And if you can get that kind of price, I think he's the best of the boys. I don't think he had a very good run in the plate trial. Uh, State of Honor, who was leading the way, is a gigantic 17.1 hands horse. And... Uh, he was blocking the rail, and King and his court couldn't get through until too late. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of a hidden trouble trip there, one that can improve for sure. All right. Uh, have, do you, have you uh, spoken to the connections? Is that horse named after the softball guy? Uh, we do believe that is the case. Uh, he was previously owned and trained by uh, Alex uh, Patikowicz, and uh, we actually were talking about that in the in the press box here earlier this week. And uh, I will chase that information down for you. And the next time we speak, uh, I'll have it confirmed. But we're about ninety percent sure right. that's. Um, I mean, it, I didn't know. I had no idea what that meant. Lots of have a court, so it, Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I, I never saw him, but uh, it definitely was a legendary story uh, growing up. Uh, what that guy would do, you know, traveling around for charities and. Um, He's like the he's like the beat the freeze of softball. Well, it wasn't that originally they started out. He was a, just a pitcher and catcher. They had no fielders, and they would take on entire teams. And then uh, yeah. eventually they added a, a first baseman and a shortstop just to you know to get rid of the, the issue of, of somebody bunting on them. I guess. Yeah, it was uh, that got to find this on YouTube uh, closer closer to, to Woodbine. I'm sure or the, the the weekend racing. I'm sure there's stuff up there uh well last question uh as always i put together a playlist for my trips uh racing trips uh don't give me our lady if our lady peace or goo goo dolls that's obvious with them playing this weekend uh but give me a song to put on the playlist sure uh matt mays is going to be the opener on sunday night for uh for goo goo dolls he's a, a local guy born in toronto raised in nova scotia and uh look up a song called city of lakes City of Lakes, Matt Mays. Matt Mays, M-A-Y-S. He uh, he's an indie rocker. He, most of his stuff's pretty upbeat. He'll get the people up and moving, and uh, he's my he's my bet to steal the show. So last year I had oh, a good right. show at a price. So what if my uh, pick for him Woodbine.com pays ten thousand? Would that steal the show? You. That would definitely upstage things. So I think we could <laughs> and maybe go elsewhere. Uh, so. yeah. <laughs> we, All right. Uh, yeah. In Toronto, I'd like to try to eat. $10,000 would be uh, there. 
Yeah, I have a, I have a late flight Monday, uh, well, early afternoon, but with three kids uh, getting to sleep till eight late. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll make something happen if uh, and no tax in, in Canada, right? Uh, you get to uh, keep collect. Yeah. Keep what you collect. Right, there are we'll no see. signers, so you win as much as you yeah. like. I like it. I I will take you up on that. That is uh, one piece of advice. I would. Uh, well, Keith, uh, great information. Really looking forward to being up there. Uh, we're going to talk to Don uh, later this week. Uh, a couple other uh, Woodbine guests. So uh, hopefully, uh, help our listeners make some money. And appreciate you kicking off the week for us. I appreciate being on. I uh, really encourage everyone to to pay attention to queensplate.com later this week. We're going to have some uh, profiles up from yourself, uh, Sid Fernando, I believe Michael Adolfson. It's going to be quite a fair bit of information about wagering on these races. We're going to get all these nailed down so that you guys can make some money. Sounds good to me. All right, queensplate.com. Uh, bristnet.com we're going to have uh, free PPs uh, so good compliment to the information from myself, Sid, Michael and others, of course Twitter uh, Woodbine Racing, uh, Keith's handles in the description, lots of good stuff out there, it's going to be a great week Keith, thanks again Cheers Ed Alright, Keith McCallman everyone uh, looking forward to Queen's Plate 2017 on Sunday we'll have a couple more episodes this week uh, discussing the field. Don Lupel will join us on Wednesday after the draw. Hope, hope to have Emily Gullickson as well uh, discussing uh, some stats from Optics and some of her notes uh, leading into the big weekend. So should be a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us on Episode 1. We'll talk to you later this week.